On this podcast, we go one step beyond publications and guidelines to speak directly with leading experts in interventional pulmonology. This podcast will address not only fundamental topics and exciting publications, but also unconventional topics for which the evidence base isn't that robust. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speaker and not necessarily endorsed by the AABIP. This is your host, Adit Chadda, an assistant professor at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. And with that, let's dive into the next episode. Welcome, everyone, to a special episode of the AABIP podcast. Today's guests are four wonderful graduating IP fellows who, if not already, will soon become prominent names in our field. I am fortunate to be in the company of Neeral Patel from University of Colorado, Audra Shwak from MD Anderson, Abhinav Agrawal from University of Chicago, and Sanket Thakur from Yale to discuss things I wish I knew before starting my IP fellowship. Now, for many new fellows, challenges will include moving to a new city, navigating an unfamiliar institution, and adjusting from a senior fellowship to almost an apprenticeship. However, on this episode, we're going to try to focus on issues that are specific to an IP fellowship, but there may be some overlap with any new fellowship. So, Niral, Audra, Abhi, and Sanket, thank you for joining me today. So, the interview season typically starts in August and September. So, Audra, while... Well, geography and family proximity play a subconscious role in everyone's rank order list. With regards to IP, what all factors did you consider when you were ranking a fellowship program? Well, I think one of the main things I was interested in in the beginning was a program that was very busy and that I would hopefully be exposed to a wide range of pathology throughout the year because Mm -hmm. I know this would give me exposure to different procedures, different techniques, uh, things that I may experience once I'm out in practice on my own. Another thing I was really interested in was a program that had a higher number of IP attendings mm-hmm. because I felt like this would give me various ways of doing things. And then once I graduate, I can take bits and pieces from each of the attendings I learned from in order to kind of develop my own technique, my own way of doing things. Mm-hmm. So those were two of the main things. Mm-hmm. Um, In addition to that, I was looking for a program, and this sounds weird as an IP fellow, that would give me something other than just procedural experience. You know, as IP physicians, we're always trying to lead and do some research and push the edge, you know, and publish Mm -hmm. our things. And without a lot of exposure to biostatistics, research protocols, it's difficult to do that. And Mm so um, MD Anderson was able to give me all of those things give me some more exposure to biostatistics and some things that I didn't have a lot of experience in mm-hmm. before Perfect. my IP yeah. fellowship. So those are some pretty important things for me. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's very mature of you. I didn't think half <laughs> as smart as that when I was doing my IP fellowship um, interviews. But, you know, uh, you alluded to this somewhat, but, you know, short fellowship of one year in most programs, mentorship seems to be something that's very, very important, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, Neeral, do you want to add anything to that list? I would say that pretty much hits the nail right on the head. Um, I would say the two other things to consider are not just um, the pure procedure numbers, but also where the attendings uh, you would be working with come from. Uh, Mm -hmm. Historically, uh, a lot of attendings uh, in the current IP paradigm, they were trained 
either at Penn or at the Harvard or Duke programs. And uh, taking a rigid bronchoscopy as an example, there's the open uh, system versus the closed system. And those are different ways of approaching the same problem. So uh, kind of to add to what Audra said, having a program where you're not learning from the uh, uh, the same school of thought can be helpful because then it just adds additional tools to your tool belt. And ge a geographic variation makes a big difference as well. Northeast programs compared to Midwest compared to West Coast programs, uh, sometimes uh, just by virtue of geography, they see different uh, pathologies that you may not consider if all of your training was in one part of the country. Absolutely. Training biases are real. I mean, I don't think it's wrong because there are many right ways to do it. Uh, to approach a specific problem, but I think you hit a very good point there. If you can add to that, Niral, you know, just what conferences should fellows attend, you know, aspiring fellows, incoming fellows, and any special sessions that they can attend? You know, it's a small community, right? I'm sure you can meet uh, many program directors, future mentors. What did you do for this? Uh, so for me, what I try to do is uh, I try to attend... Um, uh, as many IP-specific conferences as possible. And uh, for that, there's really just AABIP and the WABIP uh, conferences. And AABIP now has an annual one, uh, you know, uh, barring COVID issues. But uh, WABIP is every other year, and it's around the world. So if it happens to be uh, in a location where you'll be able to attend in, uh, regionally, it it's a worthwhile and it's a good opportunity to meet people. Also at CHEST, uh, although there's not an IP-specific um, uh, section uh, that uh, will be labeled as such, uh, sometimes just going through the program, you'll be able to find many IP-specific talks uh, or by uh, uh, talks by IP thought leaders. And one of the things I was fortunate enough to stumble onto is uh, before I started my IP uh, interviews, I ran into a couple of IP-specific talks that were on the very last day of CHEST where there was almost nobody there, mm -hmm. but they were very kind of cutting edge, um, barely even published uh, articles and thoughts uh, about the future of IP. And then just being able to discuss uh, the nuances of those as an interviewing fellow, it makes you stand out and it gives you kind of an in-depth perspective on what the leaders in the field are doing. So looking for all of those opportunities, these uh, AABIP podcasts, all of these are opportunities for exposure and uh, experience. Absolute goal. Thank you, Niral. I'm making notes as you speak. Okay, so um, one thing that uh, you know I think uh, featured prominently in my mind was that even though I tried to throw a blind eye to it, was procedure volume. You know, I would always ask, "Hey, how many rigids do you do? How many pleuroscopies? Only 50 pleuroscopies? Surely that's not enough." So, you know, Abhi, uh, any comments about this obsession with procedure volume that every incoming or aspiring fellow has, including me? I think, you know, you hit the nail right on the head. I had the same volume obsession. I would go to every program and I would ask them if they're doing 100 rigids. Oh, that's not enough. Maybe 200 rigids. But I think, you know, you learn. And as I go through the year, I realize that it's not about the volume. I think there are two factors. I think what are you doing? The indications, you know, getting good at a procedure does not require uh, 200 procedures. I mean, you have a steep learning curve and then you pretty much hit a plateau and you're fine tuning yourself. And then the other factor that comes into play is having a breadth of procedures because there's a short year. I mean, there are only so many days in a year. You're going to realize that if you do 300 or 400 or one procedure, you're pretty much compromising on something else. So I think it is important to focus on one quality and the breadth of procedures rather than just a single procedure volume. I think that's something that standing at the other end of the fellowship, I can you know say confidently. 
Fantastic. Sanket, uh, anything you want to add to that? Do you agree with Abhi? So, uh, no, I think I completely uh, agree with uh, what Abhi said and uh, what you said that probably pretty much everybody is obsessed with the number and, and, and they do actually, in, as a matter of fact, encourage you to find out about that as well, right? On your interview, they hey, you should probably find out what's the procedure volume has been and that's a part mm-hmm. of the pro- uh, of fellowship accreditation as well. So I guess this is something is okay to inquire uh, while you're applying for the fellowship. But uh, but I would I would say this is something that everybody is just has to go through and learn on their own that the procedure number obsession is not that important. And as Abhi pointed out, probably uh, being comfortable with what you're doing is uh, more important than uh, number. And uh, everybody's, that number might be a little different for everybody. So mm-hmm. uh, that's probably... Uh, something something to keep in mind. But I think everybody learns just this on their own at some yep, point. Yep, absolutely. So true. So quality over quantity. All right. So one of the challenges during a short fellowship like IP is also preparing for critical care or pulmonary or whatever boards you may be planning to take. However, simultaneously in this one year, you somehow also want to learn IP. Now, my one-year fellowship was undoubtedly the steepest learning curve I've encountered after my intern year. So Niral, make this easy for incoming or aspiring fellows. You know, how do they ensure that they are optimizing their IP-related reading time and what should they be reading? Uh, I'll take, uh, to keep it as short as possible, I would say read everything that your attendings have written. Because if they didn't, uh, if you, they're pimping you on something, it's going to be based on something they wrote or they were involved with. And if you happen to read something that contradicts that, you will be told you are wrong many, (laughs) many times in many different ways. I I will say that one of the issues that we've been working on this year um, through the education committee, uh, myself, Audra, and a few other uh, fellows who have been putting this together is an update to the AABIP reading list, which will Mm -hmm. hopefully be available uh, very soon, hopefully in the next month or two. uh, when the next batch of fellows will be starting. And hopefully that will add a little bit more of a balanced approach. All right, perfect. So graduating fellows typically take uh, IP boards towards the end of the calendar year of their graduation. So November, December for you guys. Audra, any specific uh, advice regarding IP fellowship board prep during the fellowship? Well, I think um, trying to keep up with current literature, you know, as Nero highlighted, reading things before you start your fellowship that your attendings have published is a good way to start. Mm-hmm. But trying to keep up with um, updated literature throughout the year is really important. You know, we have a journal club and I assume that most programs do as well. And so that's a good way to kind of keep up to date with things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few IP books available. And now actually the AIPPD has an interventional pulmonology self-study book, um, which I've started using and it seems mm-hmm. to be pretty good. Um, as of now with some questions and different images and approaches to things. I also think it's important to try to take some time, even though sometimes our days are very busy with procedures and consults, but to try to sit down with your attendings and review some of the cases. You know, Mm -hmm. why did they make the decisions that they made? Uh, Mm -hmm. Would you have made the same decision? And then it kind of helps you develop an algorithm um, that one you can use in your practice, but you can also put this information to good use while you're taking your test. Perfect. Thank you. So basically, one thing I can add to all of that is learning continues even after fellowship is over. All right. So one year is very short, uh, undoubtedly. And uh, most programs are in institutions with an academic stronghold. So like it or not, you know, academic productivity will be an expectation. 
Uh, Sanket, when did you start thinking about a research project? I started thinking about the research project pretty early, uh, reached out to uh, uh, my mentor, who was going to be my mentor in Yale, uh, even before uh, starting the program as well. And we kind of started to uh, brainstorming. Uh, one of the idea that at least they have uh, was uh, one year generally is real too short to do any kind of fun uh, proper multi-center randomized clinical trial mm-hmm. uh, that can go to any GM, for example. The time is uh, too short. So um, our goal was to do something which is more uh, doable uh, within the within the uh, year. Uh, so we had, for this particular year, I ended up focusing on more often uh, writing a review article. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the decision that was, uh, uh, I, I, that was what I chose to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I, that's, I think. I think it will be really important to uh, keep in mind in terms of where, uh, what program you're going, and what are the strength mm-hmm. of that particular program, and Absolutely. what would be easier. What, so, I mean, if you have some niche interest in research to begin with, then you're probably gonna look for a program which can provide you support for that uh, research. But there's a lot of uh, the current IP fellows who all, most of them are my friends and I can tell them they, I mean everybody's kind of still exploring in terms of where they want to focus uh, on the research in, for the rest of their career so uh, in that sense probably trying to do something which can be easily uh, achievable within that mm-hmm. program for example at Yale we have a huge uh, plural service which uh, one attending on a plural service all the time and a two uh, advanced practitioners. So uh, mm-hmm. we had and pretty uh, uh, large data on uh, doing thoracynthesis in a chest tube without stopping any uh, blood thinner. So that was such an achievable uh, uh, achievable research project in mm-hmm. Yale because it's just easy. I mean, it just, uh, it just makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. to enroll patients, you know? So that's what I'm trying to say. So probably you should try to come up with an idea which is um, easily achievable in the program that you're going to join. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, Abhi, any tips based on your experience? Well, you know, ideally, yes, you should come up with an idea and it'll be, if you can hit the ground running, I think it will be the best case scenario. But I mean, I face something different. I did not have an idea. And, you know, I think a couple of other things to think about is, as we are fellows and we are probably not completing our research projects, it's very helpful to reach out to the current fellows because it's a short year and they probably have some projects ongoing. So you might want to continue those projects because they might have already formed an idea, but the data collection is pending. So I think collaboration is key over there because you know some research projects can go over one or two or three years for that matter. And then I think the other thing is, uh, you know, if you cannot come up with the idea or you're not sure, connecting with your mentor early and maybe they have an idea or you could brainstorm your idea better and, you know, at least start the project itself. And maybe you'll finish it through the year or maybe you'll carry it to wherever, whichever institution you end up going to. So I think those are important things to keep in mind that, yes, ideally you want to have a research idea ready. But if you don't, that's OK. I think you could still achieve academic success and, you know, get papers out. And in addition, of course, you can write review articles or case series depending upon your experience during the year. Perfect. Okay. So basically start early, be ambitious, but be realistic. Great advice. All right. So uh, you have barely started learning about IP and now you have to find a job. Hotra, when do I start searching for a job? What advice do you have about this? Well, even before coronavirus um, affected some people this year, I would have said you need to start looking as early as possible. Mm -hmm. And this is primarily because a lot of us are looking for 
academic jobs and academic institutions for a variety of reasons, some of which I may or may not even know, um, move very slowly. So, you know, they may post a job, have to wait a certain amount of time for applicants. Then they choose a few people to interview based on those schedules. It may take months um, for those people to actually interview. Then you have to come back for a second interview and then an offer letter may go out, you know, and in this time span, maybe five or six months has gone by. And then after that is the process of the contract and the credentialing. And so I think it's important from the beginning to decide, do I want to take any time off or need to take any time off after my fellowship? When do I definitely want to start either for personal reasons, financial reasons, whatever, and then um, kind of plan ahead that your process may take several months when, you know, we're used to applying for an IP fellowship or applying for pulmonary critical care. And then we make our rank list. And on this day, we find out where we're going to go. And that's the end of that process. But the job process doesn't really work like that. So I think the earlier you can start keeping these things in mind, the better it'll be. All right. So you guys are giving uh, the incoming fellows a lot of stress. They've got so many things to do. How many programs now expect you to understand billing? <laughs> if your IP fellowship doesn't expect it, your job surely will. Uh, Niral, as an incoming fellow, you know, I love stents, but I know nothing about 31631 and 31636. Do I need to know all this? Do you have any good resources in your mind? Have you reviewed anything about this? Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I actually just had a, a end of the year lecture with one of my attendings on the billing process, how it's done and uh, what the process uh, is for that. And I would say that for the incoming fellows, it's not something to um, agonize over. It's something that it's probably best to prioritize in the second half of the fellowship as you're looking at jobs and as you're experiencing uh, what procedures you're doing and what skills you're learning, the billing part, I think, should be the last thing that will come. And mm -hmm. those resources, there, AABIP has some, and uh, the attendings you will be working with will be able to provide lots of resources as well on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Abhi, anything you look at? Uh, do you do billing at your institution? Well, I don't do billing right now, but, you know, as you said, soon enough. Uh, that we will have to bill. I mean, I know ABIP has a webinar about it uh, where you look at billing codes. And then at the tail end of the fellowship, I've started speaking to the attendings, you know, showing me the billing codes and telling me what is appropriate way to bill uh, because, you know, the revenue matters eventually. And having a sustainable IP job in an academic setting, you want to make sure that you're good at uh, billing and finishing your notes and all that. So I think, I think you know, more resources, if they're available, that will be helpful. I think there are some available right now and then speaking to your mentors about that specifically can help you in the second half of the fellowship. Yeah, and I think I'll clarify here that billing is very easy. So don't worry about it. You, know, you can learn everything you want to know about billing in 30 to 60 minutes and literally everything you want to know about billing. Uh, that is important. Uh, uh, as you alluded to, Abhi, I think uh, Dr. Wahidi has a good webinar about this with the AAPIP that I recommend everyone starting a pulmonary job reviews. All right. So this has been fantastic, guys. I'm sure the listeners will appreciate your words of advice. So let's go around the table now for some closing comments and let's make sure that they're good words of encouragement. Uh, we don't want people coming in, you know, worked up. So Abhi, you want to go first? Sure. I mean, you know, I think it's going to be a tough year, but I, and the learning curve initially, I think the first few months will be steep, but I can tell you confidently, you know, at the other end of it, I think you'll be satisfied and you will look forward to being an attending and, you know, you'll have good training. And I think I can speak for all of us when I say that you'll come out well-trained on the other side. So 
yes, it'll be nerve wracking in the first few months, but be, you know, be confident that you'll be fine on the other end. Perfect. Thank you. And then Sanket? Yeah, uh, as, uh, as Abhi said, that uh, this is going to be definitely a tough year and uh, uh, just uh, work hard, uh, stay focused and, um, and, and, um, and yeah, learn, prioritize things. And I think you will, be, you will do well. Perfect. Thank you. Audra? Yeah, I think no matter where you end up matching, your IP fellowship is going to be, you know, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. You know, so try to do all the little things you can, you know, all the thoracentesis, if you have some time, the extra bronchoscopies, maybe if you're not on service with an attending and your year will go wonderfully. I mean, you'll get a great experience, good education. You'll end up feeling very confident um, at the end of your fellowship, knowing that you can be an IP attending on your own now without backup. Perfect. And Dara? Uh, I'll say this, uh, just to echo everyone, what everyone has said, uh, it there will be times when it will be, will be difficult, but just keep in mind that uh, your mentors and your attendings are vested in your success. They want you to succeed. And all of the things, uh, those hurdles that you'll come across, they'll make you stronger. And just make sure you keep balance in your life as much as can be possible. All of the other fellows that you meet on the interview trail, they're people that you're going to continue to see at future conferences. You're gonna be reading each other's publications. They'll be your collaborators. Uh, make sure you stay in touch with them. Um, these are the people that are going through the exact same things that you are and may be able to teach you things that uh, you might not be able to uh, see uh, in front of you. So make the most of the opportunity and just enjoy the ride while you're there. Love it. Wow. Perfect. Thank you so much, guys. It's been a joy to host this episode and thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you for arranging. Thank you. Thank you. With that, we conclude an exciting episode here on the AABIP podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed hosting it. Do also check out our website, theippodcast.com, and please do provide us with feedback and suggestions on what topic and which expert you want to hear next. Until next time, take care.